This morning I have a word for you about the new temple of God. This word uh, is about stand and proclaim. We talked about our posturing, how to posture ourselves to stand and what to proclaim. This morning what I want to share with you is, is something that the church, for some reason, I, I think has lacked or misunderstood or not fully comprehended, and I want to fully comprehend and share this word with you. It's about the new temple of God. When we look at the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Mark is unique from the other, the other three gospels. Of course, John is completely separate from the others, but Luke and Matthew used a large percentage of the gospel of Mark for their gospels. So Mark, they believe, was the first gospel written. But Mark had a different stance than what Luke used the gospel for and what Matthew used the gospel for. And in the book of Mark, we're going to see that Jesus's triumphal entry and entrance into Jerusalem had profound impact in what he was saying about the temple of God in Jerusalem. I want to share that with you. See, we need to know where to stand and our positioning. God says to occupy till I come. That's what Jesus said. Occupy till I come. What are we supposed to occupy? And where we're supposed to stand. We're supposed to be standing in the heavenlies. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay, you can sit down with them. <laughs> but occupy that position in the heavenlies. And we're also to occupy a position in the earth. Because we have become the temple of God. And I want to show you that through scripture today in the gospel of Mark. We start at Jesus' approach to Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11. He approaches and he's looking for fruit to be on a fig tree. Even Mark says it's not the season for fruit, that fruit would be fully developed or ripe. But the thing about a fig tree is it will bud where its fruit is supposed to be, then it will have leaves, then that fruit and those fruit buds will mature and ripen. It says that Jesus approached the fig tree and he was looking, since it had leaves, he was looking for those buds, those small little uh, figs that you can eat even though they're premature. And he found none. That meant that that fig tree was not going to produce figs. And he said this, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard this. Mark wants you to know that they heard it because the next day when they go back, they see that that fig tree was absolutely withered and dead. But what is essential that Mark is telling us is the fig tree is the symbol of Israel throughout Old Testament Scripture. And this is going to be intricate to what he does in the temple. Because what Israel was supposed to be was a light to the Gentiles. Israel was supposed to occupy the promised land and have the temple of God, the abiding presence of God in the earth, in that place, to draw all nations unto God. And they had utterly failed in the mission. The temple was not being accessed by the nations, and Israel was locking it down for themselves and not bearing the fruit of their purpose. As the church, as an individual, I don't want to be fruitless. I want to bear the fruit of my purpose. And the fruit of my purpose is to be the temple of God. 
and we must bear the fruit. Now Jesus went further into Jerusalem, and after he had looked around after his triumphal entry, he went back to Bethany. The next day, he came forward to the temple, and it says that he made a whip, and he turned over the table of the money changers, and he drove them out. It was in the court of the Gentiles that they were selling the sacrificial lambs and doves and bullocks. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. They were to do that for those travelers who were coming and couldn't bring the necessary sacrifices. So the problem was not off having sacrifices that you could purchase. That wasn't the problem. What the problem is this. As he turned it all over, he said, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? He's quoting Isaiah here. Matthew and Luke do not include the, the phrase for all nations, but that is the key intricate passage. They've used the court of the Gentiles for selling all of those sacrifices, not allowing for Gentiles to come in. He said it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, and you're not allowing prayer for all nations. He goes on, and he quotes now from Jeremiah, but you have made it a den of robbers or a den of thieves. The better translation for robbers or thieves are anarchists or nationalistic anarchists, those who were Judaizers. He's saying that you have made this house that is to be the light to the world, the light to all nations, something that is so nationalistic to the Jews that it is no longer for all nations. And they rejected their calling. And so like the fig tree, Jesus curses that temple and its function and its duty. Do you know why? Because he's going to bring another temple that will fulfill the duty of God. As they're leaving, the disciples, listening to his teaching, trying to understand what he's saying, looking around at this immense temple, they say this, wow, you see these great buildings, God? These are crazy, Jesus. Look at how huge. And Jesus says, yeah, you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Jesus specifically went into Jerusalem, yes, to be crucified and dead, but first to proclaim his judgment on the temple of Israel. He cursed it through the cursing of the fig tree. He stopped its ministry when he turned over the tables. It says in Mark that no one, he would not allow anyone to traffic through its courts. He literally shut it down for the space of an hour or however long. And then he proclaims to his disciples, you think this place is an amazing edifice? You've built it unto your own Judaism. You've built it to your own nationalism. And you have rejected your call. There's not going to be one stone left upon another. This temple is done because it has not provided and been fulfilled for its purpose. And he destroys the temple. 
In fact, witnesses say that they heard Jesus say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Do you see what his purpose is? It's done. He says this generation will not pass away before this is seen. They will see it. Now we, because we're on the tail end of the last days, we look at all these passages in Mark 13 and we want to just be taken out. We think that's when he's coming again. No, he's speaking to that generation. And 40 years after his resurrection, the temple of Israel was destroyed by the Roman army. Not one stone was left upon another. The Romans were so furious, they were going to leave the temple in its place, but the Jews were so uh, uh, bent against Rome and fighting so viciously that when the Romans came in, they were so angry, they literally burned down the temple. And as it was burning, the gold that was inlaid through the temple had melted in between all the stones, so the soldiers took down every stone to get at the gold and literally the temple was leveled, just as Jesus had prophesied. Jesus came to get rid of the temple in Israel. There has not been a temple since. No temple made by hands will ever please God or offer sacrifice that is pleasing to God because Jesus is the presence of God that came. Israel was supposed to recognize the tree, the fig, the ripeness of the fruit. They were to bear the fruit that now is the time. Messiah is here. And they did not see Messiah. They did not accept Christ. He came unto his own and they rejected him. And he called the temple done. And it was destroyed. And after three days he said, I will make a new temple. Not made with hands. That is a reference to the book of Daniel. When Nebuchadnezzar had his vision of all the great nations, he saw the great statue, head of gold, Babylon, the shoulders and breastplate of silver, the Medes and the Persians, the, the, and Greece was next with the bronze, and then the mixture of iron and clay was the Roman Empire. But there was a great stone honed out of the mountain of God, not by hands, it says, that came and crushed that idol of all nations made by man. There is a new temple that was born on the day of resurrection. That temple is the church. We are what replaced the temple of Israel. This is not replacement theology. We did not replace Israel. We replaced the temple and its purpose, and its function. Because now, as the church and the temple of God is birthed, Jesus ascends to the true temple of heaven and is the high priest before the throne of God. We don't have an imitation. We don't have a guy dressed in fancy clothes with little bells and special threads and stones to imitate the reality of what Jesus is doing in heaven. 
And as Jesus is high priest in the heavenly courts and the temple is not only in heaven, but now it is in the earth with portable temples that carry the presence of God to all the Gentiles, to all the nations, to all people, Jews and Gentiles alike. We're the temple of God. That's amazing. In case you don't believe me, Peter says, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house, a temple, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're the temple of God. We are to be mediating heaven to earth. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That's the temple of God. It's the purpose of the temple. We're to be bringing people who are lost, who are enslaved, who are in sin, and bring them before our high priest for cleansing. Because there was one sacrifice made once and for all. And we proclaim that sacrifice to everyone as the temple of God. Are you at your post, priest? Are you standing in mediation for the lost? We've got a job to do. We're to minister to those who are downhearted, those who are broken, those who are locked in sin, those who are angry at God, those who are rebels against God, and we're to mediate for the presence of God to them. And we bring spiritual sacrifice to Jesus. We brought it in song today. We bring it in intercession and prayer. You're living stones. You're the temple that he made. And it's greater and more glorious than anything Solomon could put together. But it's portable like Moses' tent. So he can bring his temple into the drugstore down the street. He can bring his temple into your house. He can bring your temple to work and mediate the kingdom. He also says this, and Paul says it, For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God they shall be my people that's what he said to Israel all of that was written Paul says for our understanding he was with Israel in a tent and he would be with the people in a tent with furniture but with you he abides within us Because his sacrifice cleansed us from sin, so his holy presence is in us. Christ in you is the hope, is the earnest expectation of his presence. Do you walk as a temple of God, holy, set apart, a living stone? You're the lampstand. You're the table of showbread. You're the altar of incense. You're the Ark of the Covenant. You're the water laver, the brazen altar. It's all packed in you through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're the temple of the living God. I don't know how more direct you can get. And so Mark is telling us that Jesus went to Jerusalem to shut down and close the temple made by human hands forever. And to erect a new temple, the people 
of God. That's you. Wow! That's us! That's why the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. You can knock our buildings down, you can take our privileges away, but you will never stop the church and the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already been bought, we've already been redeemed. Amen. Amen. Russia tried to destroy the church, communism is dead and the church is alive. China is trying to crush the church. The church is bigger in China than it ever was. Before, missionaries were sent and they had freedom. They're trying to crush it, they cannot crush it. Every communist nation is trying to crush destroy the church and then whenever you stamp on it it multiplies and grows it's the temple of god it will not cease people are waiting for israel to build a new temple a new temple will never please god they can build erect anything they want any temple they want but it will never um, take the place of the sacrifice of jesus christ the only way of salvation is through the name of Jesus Christ for Jews and Gentiles. There's one temple of God. It is the church of Jesus Christ. Last of all, Paul says this, do you not know that you're the temple of God in which the Spirit dwells? Hmm? <laughs> is it clear? See, we, we've used that phrase as, well, yeah, he's in me. We, we haven't recognized what a temple or what the temple was supposed to do. Bring the presence of God among the people for all nations to have mediation from their sin and to have the blessings of God poured out. What a job we have. Wow. He goes on and he says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That's sobering, brothers and sisters. You saw what happened to the temple in Jerusalem when it did not bear the fruit necessary. Jesus shut it down and destroyed it. Is he going to do that with us? He said to the Corinthian church, the same people he's talking to here, he says that when you come together for communion, you fail God so miserably. Some of you are sick and some are even dying because of your attitude when taking communion. Doesn't mean he's lo you're losing salvation. It means you may cut your life short. This is a holy temple. You represent the kingdom of God. You are priests under the most high God. How can we mingle sin in our lives? How can we misrepresent the temple of God? It's sobering, isn't it? And so there is a sacrifice for our sin. There is grace and mercy for us. And so the grace of God gives you strength to overcome sin. Grace is not an excuse for sin. Grace is the power to overcome sin in our lives. Amen? And the Spirit of God strengthens us so that we will perform what we've been asked to do. You see, through the ascension of Jesus Christ into the heavenlies, the high priest has taken his position. He ever lives. That means eternally he is living to intercede for us day and night. Aren't you glad day and night? Could you imagine if he took the nights off? That's when most of the problems start. 
day and night. He knows that the world spins. He knows that there's a daytime and there's a nighttime on this planet. He is interceding at all time for all people at once. He's interceding because he has made a way, he has opened the door for the benefits of God to come to whosoever will call upon his name. And so in the heavenlies, the priesthood is active. On the earth, we're that temple, his body, that we're reaching out to bring the administration of our high priest into this planet. So stand and proclaim. Take your position. Just like the priesthood in the um, Old Testament. There were those priests who had different functions, different orders about them. So I ask you, some of you are going to be positioned in different places as the temple, as a priest. Uh, when I think about it, Pastor Ron and I uh, have talks a lot of times, and when I think of, of how our church is set up, there are those priests who minister in the heavenlies, in the temple. They, they are those who, who, who pray and bring the mediation unto the high priest, Jesus. And as they're entering and ministering in the heavenlies, some of you are called as intercessors. Some of you are called in prophetic. Some of you are called to minister in the temple in the heavenly places. That's where Pastor Ron operates. That's, that's the realm of the temple ministry he operates. I, on the other hand, tend to operate in the earth. I'm very earthy. I'm very down to where I'm ministering in people's lives. Not that he isn't, but you understand the dynamic of a temple ministry. And so many times as he's lifting up petitions, I'm trying to deliver them. And so some of you have a position to stand as a temple. Some of you are to administer the benefits of this covenant. Some of you are to invite people to the temple. That's you. The church is not the temple, I mean the building. We're the temple. You're the direct presence of Jesus Christ to somebody. Reach them. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you reach out and touch those lives as the temple of God. Some of you are prophetic. Some of you are in the heavenlies administering the high priestly prayers and intercession of the Lord. Some of you are helps oriented. You're, you're picking up things for somebody. You're dropping them off. You're doing labor for someone, showing the love of Christ. That's what the priesthood does. The priesthood would check to see who's got leprosy, who doesn't. They would check to see if people were healthy or ill. You're that priesthood. We're all diverse in our giftings and our callings because we have a huge priesthood after the order of Jesus Christ. Find your position and take your stand. You are the temple of the living God. Let's bow our heads. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I stand in the midst of a temple. That Jesus, you are here directing us as our high priest. Not only high priest, but you're the lamb slain. You are the sacrifice. And you're building a temple in every nation, in every land, in every tongue, through every tribe, 
a beautiful temple that houses the glory of God's presence. We are coming into an age where the temple of God can no longer be ignored. The temple of God will rise. It will shine in its glory and provide the sacrifice for sins to be forgiven, the cleansing agent, the declaration of his glory and the administration of his office to be given to all nations and all people. It's time for the temple to rise up and be restored, to be cleansed and refurbished, to be rebuilt and reignited, that the lamps would be on fire once again, that they would no longer go out or be diminished. There's a new day for the church, the temple of God. Prepare yourselves, for you are that temple. We are humbled. I pray right now for anyone who feels that they have defiled the temple that you live in. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. I don't want to misrepresent you and I don't want to overshadow you with my own will. I pray for a fresh anointing. I pray for a fresh outpouring to fill the temple of God once again. Start here at Christ Community Church. Start here in my heart, in each one of us, that we may see your glory. I pray this prayer for us in all humility under the unction of the Lord. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I understand I am your temple. You dwell in me. Your glory abides in me. I will live as a living stone, as a holy priesthood to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.